Welcome, guys, to Deeper Into the Dark. We're two friends. Descend into true crime. The paranormal. And all things strange. Oh, oh it's so scary. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need my flashlight. I need my candle. And my inhaler. I need my flyer. Flyer? <laughs> my flyer. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I said lighter. Lighter. I need my lighter. <laughs> or my matches. I'm so scared. It's so dark in here. It's so dark. Let me out. Um, how have you been? How are things going? How was your week since our last episode? Um, doing okay. As you know, I was really gassy last episode. And <laughs> as the world knows now. Did your friend just call you out? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, because Laura was like laughing about it. She was like, all I hear is I'm gassy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I ended up getting like a food poisoning kind of whatever on Monday. And it was also President's Day, which I did not know. And a lot of people ended up having to call out because um, we weren't allowed to work from home apparently on holidays. So it was just me and another coworker, and we were drowning. And I was also like feeling sick the entire time. And I myself wanted to call in, but... I didn't, and I should have, and but then I felt bad because it would just been that one coworker, and that biatch ended up leaving at two o'clock, and I had to do uh, two and a half hours by myself. Scary. <laughs> the, yeah, the phone calls were like going insane, and I was just like, and my boss came back to check on me, air quotes, and was like, "How's it going?" And I was like, "I'm ready to quit." <laughs> Straight up said, "I was like, I'm ready to quit. Today sucks." And then he was like, "Well, let me. I'll just turn off the phone at four. And then um, we're going to have a meeting. So that's with not who? what he did. You're like, with who? Looking around yeah. with who? Me? So we ended up having uh, a full-on meeting with just me. And I was like, this none could have been of the an other. This none could... of the, no, it should have been postponed. And none of the other people were here. It was like me. I call her my supervisor. She's like my office manager or whatever. And my boss. And I was like, we're not going to get anything done. <laughs> I'm just going to listen to what we all have to say. <laughs> but yeah, that was... It really for work-wise and then school, because I was sick on Monday, because I have Monday. I oh, yeah, you started school again. Yeah, so I have classes Mondays and Wednesdays. I ended up skipping, and I asked Laura to take notes for me, and then she ended up skipping. So we're trying to find a nerd. Somebody with notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who the nerd is in the class, and it's so hard because they're all, like, idiots, because they're younger. And um, Are y'all the nerds? <laughs> honestly, we're the only one taking notes, it looks like. And um, this one girl that sits in front of us, she's, like, so ditzy. She, she's, like, fucking drawing on her leg in class, like, circles, like a little spiral circle. And she was impressed because of who we were talking about. We were talking about um, Carnegie. And um, she just blurts out in class, oh, um, was, like, Carnegie around, like, the same time as that Hershey's dude? Did they, like, like were they in the same time? And, like, I... Me and Laura just kept looking at each other, and Laura's just like, because she has no filter, which I love her for that, but she was like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. And I'm like, but you're young, too. She goes, I ain't dumb. I know when to not ask a question. <laughs> yeah. That's that blonde. And they were, ugh, everyone in that class just, like, says stupid shit, and I, me and Laura just like, oh, we need to take this online. <laughs> so we could skip this. And then, um, I'm a little tired, but... My boo here, Stefan, made me some coffee because I was up until almost one because um, Laura's been helping me with my trailer and her and her mom were commenting on my clothing situation. 
because I had this giant clothing rack and it was taking up all my space. So she found one from Ikea. Anyways, we stayed up installing it and some other stuff. And it was about like a little over a four hour project. And we're not even done because the mirror was taking the longest and we have no idea how to like get it up on there. But it's really nice, the whole setup, which I'm gonna pay her back because this is just a lot. I mean, Ikea, you, you know, if you want to sponsor us, I have like half of your stuff, but you expensive. Girl, send us some gift cards. <laughs> but yeah, that was nice. Um, and then got my story for today done, so yay. But I think when I'm going to... I kept like pushing it off just because I was sleepy or whatever, but I need to start actually drilling in like time to work on my story because, you know, we're not just writing it. We're also researching it, and we start off by actually deciding our topic, which would be really nice if people can... <clears throat> Give us suggestions. Ooh, um, calling them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Which I'm. Ex- I don't know what we're gonna do for the next episode. Episode then this one zero. Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, Diaz. How did you know that before me? You're so <laughs> Latina. No mas tuvas sweared it. No, because I do it all the time, and if I get it wrong, the word corrects me. So I just remember that correction. Mm. But um. I'm better with numbers. It's the um, actual words <laughs> that I pronounce wrong. What's it in German? Zen? Zen? I don't know. I know nine. Null, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zen, zen. Zen? Zen, T-S-E-N, zen. They can't hear me, but this is how you say it in sign language. Thumbs up. Oh. This is zen. She's wiggling her thumb, guys. Just so you know. <laughs> it's the language I know. Thin. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you? What you been up to? Not like I don't, you know, talk to you every night, but our listeners would like to know. <laughs> We've been kind of distant this week, surprisingly. But you've been busy. Yeah, or not feeling well. Oh, I did have a friend that just recently got through a breakup, so a lot of my time has been on that, too. Mm. But. And also, I started a new job. That's yes, crazy. I know. I'm so excited. It's so boring. <laughs> well, you need, like, a job that stimulates you more, not a warehouse job. I do. Um, I just wrote it down. I'm glad I wrote it down here. So, um, I wanted to bring this up. So, our very own Jupiter. Oh, yes. What did he um, do? Has started a funny little running joke for me and Greg. So, as you know, I have the neck toast for Jupiter. Yeah. That you're obsessed with. Yes. And, um... So we had to put it on him since he starts licking himself aggressively. Well, for you people who are listening, Jupiter is also a black cat. Well, a few nights ago, we were getting ready to go to bed, and we were turning off the lights, and Greg turned um, around because he was in the restroom. He was brushing his teeth, and we were getting ready to go to bed, and he turned around, and in the darkness in the room, he just saw a piece of toast floating around in the darkness. <laughs> And he giggled and he said, oh no, it's a toast. (laughs) Then I was like, oh no, it's a ghost toast. (laughs) It's so stupid. I love it. So now whenever he's wearing it and we catch him in the darkness, we just giggle and laugh. There's the toast ghost. (laughs) And I just picture like this floating mischievous ghost toast floating in our apartment just causing mischief. (laughs) It's the cutest thing ever. It's a ghost toast. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) 
<sighs> I even have it on my screensaver and people comment all the time, what's wrong with your cat? And I was like, that is my nephew. <laughs> and he likes to pick at every part of his body. <laughs> yeah, he's... So he has to wear this. I don't know if it's like stress, anxiety or something. Probably because y'all just moved. It still hasn't been that long. Well, he's always licked himself like crazy. Oh. He's like an aggressive licker. He licks us. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I was about to say. He licks me a lot, and I can't take it, because it's like disgusting sandpaper. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's an aggressive licker, and Winter, my Siamese, he's an aggressive eater. <laughs> Whenever he gets like anxious yeah. or something, crunch, he runs crunch, to crunch, his crunch. food bowl and takes bites, and he's like... <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you little shit, stop eating. And he's all... Yeah, we were talking about a diet plan for them earlier today. It's crazy. Because little Winter's getting a little fupa. Uh, He's getting a third fupa. (laughs) (laughs) Little turd. That's what I said to, oh my gosh, when I was uh, helping Laura build stuff and all that. um, You know, guys, I'm a little chunky. So um, I picked up the wood piece and it got stuck on my fupa. And um, I went, hold on, my fanny pack's holding it for me. One second. (laughs) Laura started belting out. She's like, you're so fucking stupid. And I was like, eh, here we go. <laughs> oh, no. My so, fanny pack. My fanny, my personal fanny pack. My personal fanny pack. That's hilarious. I love it. Anyways, toast ghost. Oh, no, it's a ghost toast. Ghost ghost. <laughs> um, you so cute. Uh, we might upload pictures of that to our Instagram of Ghost Toast and Aggressive Eater. <laughs> we should be like, um, here on this week's, um, was it, uh, Ghostly Encounters, we have Toast Ghost. <laughs> and we just have, like, a little video of Jupiter walking <laughs> in the darkness. <sighs> but we should low-key, like, put them on the, them and Nicole on the website or website since we Insta. talked about them. We do. They're like practically our co-host. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Dude, my I told Stefan today, it took me forever to get here because Nicole would not get out of the fucking car. She jumped in and she kept fighting me every time I went to the other side to get her out. And then I finally caught her. And then when I went to go pick her up to get her out of the car, because that bitch is a medium-sized dog, but she's fat in my mind. She scratched her console. Yes! So now I have aggressive scratch marks just like... <sighs> down my console and I'm like oh jeez I got so mad I was like get your ass in that house I'm about to whip it (laughs) she's like but mom yeah and she tried and then when I got her back in the house as soon as I went to go close the door she bolted she tried to bolt and face planted on the screen door you're like (laughs) and I was like you need to stop doing that you're gonna hurt yourself really hard when they knock a tooth out (laughs) yeah she barely got any (laughs) you're gonna knock your last tooth (laughs) But yeah, I was like, I would take you, but you're so aggressive with, like, cats and other dogs, and he has two cats. So, you're staying here. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, this week, I thought it would be interesting to talk about strange disappearances. Ooh. Ooh. Kind of like uh, Amelia Earhart. You know mm-hmm. how she's like... Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. She's still alive. No. no yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. She, she survived. She has an amnesia and she became someone else. Do you see those videos on TikTok of those people that like whenever Mysterious Missing is never seen again, then someone comments like, 
no profile picture user zero one seven zero eight seven six and whatever and it's like that's my grandpa <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's embarrassing <laughs> and then grandpa. people are like oh yeah then show us a picture i can't show him a picture he's dead <laughs> so, it's embarrassing it's like okay stop <laughs> you are you in those comments like okay so you know how facebook you can follow people i don't know that because you showed me that I was wondering why I'm always seeing you comment on things, and it finally hit me. Oh, it's because I'm following you on on Facebook, so I can see when you comment on stuff. And so I read your comment, and I'm like, I don't reply back on most of them, but I'm just like, oh my god, I'm Steph. a bitch on Facebook. <laughs> yes. I'm like aggressively, um, what is it, snarky. Anyways, so this week I thought I would do interesting and talk about Shane's appearances, kind of like Amelia Earhart or that one dude that was in Australia that was flying the airplane. And or Carol Baskin's um, ex-husband. Carol Baskin, they, they found him alive. You have told me that. I still have not seen a picture. So I think he was still um, fed to his tigers. Did you even and... look? You're so full of <laughs> shit. Oh my gosh. I, I saw the article you sent me, but I have not looked at images. And images can be faked. I need TMZ to go track them down. Don't even get me started on TMZ. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Anyways, so let me go ahead and cite my sources. I got my Loki along with I just literally took um, from www.in.gov, www.alonewithnature.medium.com, www.michigan.gov www.awesomemitten.com that sounds like a cat site um, <laughs> www. <laughs> I was just really into cat videos that day um, oh, .paranormal-world.fandom.com and www.trailinsummit.com why? because I like to read no I don't, I hate reading Anyways. Yeah, you always do like a whole bunch of sources and I'm like, I got it from YouTube <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I also got a little bit from YouTube, too. I will post the creator for that one, too. I forgot to list it, but I will put it in the description of this episode. Okay, so first I wanted to talk about the disappearance of Albert Beelharts. Beelharts. With a Z at the end. Okay. So... As you know, people do go missing in national parks all the time. Because mm-hmm. they're national parks. That's why I go them. with people, not by myself. That's why I stay home and I don't go to parks. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to get lost. So on average, about 1,600 plus, plus, because they haven't done a full calculation of how many people have gone missing. Um, that's what a journalist that actually investigates these has that's his number he's like a thousand six hundred plus from what he's seen he's like there's probably more that are probably undocumented or something of the sort or been lost do you know who has the highest count parks in general like which one no which park yeah no i don't damn if i see it i will update you guys next episode that'd be cool i've only been to a few but I would feel like a really big one, like maybe that California one, Yellowstone, mm-hmm, or at least mm-hmm. they get hurt or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or like one with like lots of mountains, maybe something in Colorado. 
Speaking of the Rocky Mountains, this is where this is from. <laughs> Thanks for my segue. So this was um, happened about July second in nineteen thirty eight. Girl, we going back in time. It's usual for you. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I do. It was a simpler time. Not <laughs> everything was ass. Anyways. Um, we didn't even have electricity then. <laughs> or women's rights. We didn't even have a real cheeseburger. Yeah. Anyways, so it was July 2nd on 1938. The Hearts family had decided to go camping deep within the Rocky Mountain National Park as a summer vacation. See, that's where you're wrong. You just need to stay home and do some summer cleaning. I'm just saying. Poolside. Poolside, get a kiddie pool. Girl, go dig a mud hole, throw throw the kids in there, have fun. They like mud pies. Uh, yeah, I did love mud pies. So, that was their summer vacation to go to the Rocky Mountains and deep, because that's what we do. Girl, you could do that in the backyard. Were they white? <laughs> that look. Well, do they aren't Mexican ass? with that last name. <laughs> Beal hearts. <laughs> so, so, German and white. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Hearts a brand? No, Hertz. I'm thinking of Hertz. Mm. Anyways. um, So, on the day in question, they were going to Estes Park to do some fishing. (laughs) White. Um, And were hiking along a trail close to a creek (laughs) by the name of Roaring River at approximately 8 a.m. Their son, Alfred Edwin Bielharts, was roughly four years old at the time. Which is funny now that I'm reading this because other reports say he was five. Maybe his birthday landed on that time. Maybe like it was within the weeks. Who knows? Because that's what happened with uh, my last case, Mary Bell. She killed that first boy the day before her birthday. So she murdered him when she was 10, but she was 11 when she was tried. Mm. Yeah. Guys, do your research, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> So he was roughly four years old. Oh, roughly four years old. Okay. Uh, At the time, and was walking along at the back of the line formed by his family. His parents would eventually realize that he had seemingly fallen severely behind and was now no longer anywhere near where they could see him. This would begin a desperate 10 day long search operation throughout the region. He's dead. (laughs) If you don't find him the first 24 hours. Sorry, Barb. But Alfred Bielharts would never return. His parents briefly performed a preliminary search to try and find their missing son. He was just one son of apparently ten children. They be fucking. <laughs> so that's the definition of human rabbits? <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Greg and I was reading this and I'm like, did he go missing? It's 1938. Ten but it's children. the son of a- the rest of girls? You'd want to keep the son than one of the girls. But he was the youngest. Mm. One last mouth to feed. That's my theory, low-key, but let's continue. That's what I was telling Greg, because I was like, when was the Great Depression? He was like, it was before 40s, that. 40s, right? No, it was before that. It was like around the same time that the, what is it, was it the speakeasies were doing? Oh, yeah. And the like, stock market crash. hmm Yeah. So I was like, ooh, but, um, yeah, so, anyways, um, a 10-day-long search operation that they were doing this, he was one of 10 kids, 
and when they had no luck, they decided to call in the park service for assistance. The moment he would okay, have been missing, I would have called them. Yeah, they waited 10 days to get park authorities involved. Involved? Oh, no, 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 no. This was a span of 10 days that they did oh, search okay. for the kid. I'm sure it was pretty soon. So If I can't find my kid in the first 30 to an hour, I'm calling park. Oh, the moment that we can't find him within 10 minutes well, to I'm, like 30 Well, that minutes? and you have... Ten kids. Ten, yeah, to look with for you, like that's mm. an army right there. You know, mm-hmm. that's a baseball team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody, grab a piece of yarn, tie it in the center, and we're all walking. And, the and we're coming back. And come back. <laughs> Check under every not every stone, bush. But... Kick a bush. Kick a yeah. tree. Watch out for pumas. Yeah. Um. So the rangers were operating under the assumption the assumption that Alfred may have fallen into a nearby into the nearby creek and drowned. I mean, that would make sense. And so they proceeded to dam the river. This dam consisted consisted of a fence line adorned with barbed wire. <laughs> you know, catch him. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, we ain't saving at this point. We're just looking for the body. <laughs> there was, I mean, literally the next line. There was no way that his body could be carried downstream and not be instantly found by the team of rangers searching for the unfortunate child. When this returned, no results. They dragged the bottom of the river for a good measure, but also found nothing to indicate where Alfred had gone. After five days, they gave up searching the river. So my question is, were they just focusing on the river? Yeah. Or were they had a team like in it. the forest or team in the river? Like what? But let let's continue. His parents told the rangers that they were certain that he must have been abducted. They knew that their son wouldn't just leave his family, and they were, unsurprisingly, convinced that he had fallen into the river. Or, the rangers were. Uh, unconvinced that he had fallen into the river. They were like, mm, we would have heard something or something, like a yelp or something. Yeah. One of the kids. At this point, the ranger called in some bloodhounds from the nearby Colorado State Penitentiary. Or penitentiary. Yeah, penitentiary. According to David Paulides, one of the usual suspects when it comes to discussing cases such as this, claimed that the bloodhounds were able to follow the boy's scent 500 feet uphill. That's what his quote was. From where his parents had been when he vanished. This is obviously exceptionally bizarre seeing as he disappeared when he was behind them, as opposed to in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't he just keep going this way versus going... Like, he'd run into them eventually, right? Mm-hmm. But the dogs kept going forward. But if they stopped and the kid got cut off, it's not that hard to assume he kept going and he didn't see them. But there's ten of them, like you said. Yeah. So, opposed in front of them and the scent trail suggested... As the scent, show, scent trail suggested... Ooh, I'm stuttering a lot. More bloodhounds were apparently called in and followed the same paradoxical... Doxical trail, only to lay down in defeat when they reached a fort in the road. The search was eventually called off after a total of 10 days spent looking for the missing child. Meanwhile, on July 3rd, William J. L. Eels, or Ells, and his unnamed in the newspaper report wife were also hiking in the Rocky Mountains National Park. They had made it quite far up the old Fall River Road when they got tired and decided to stop for a rest. While resting, they decided to look up at the beautiful slopes of Mount Chapin, only to see a young boy sat on a rock in a section of the mountainside known as the Devil's Nest. 
This spot was six miles west of where Alfred Beelharts had initially vanished from, and Mr. Eels expressed, or Els, his belief that any child could have gotten up there, up to that spot without any assistance, because it's kind of like, how could a child climb up on top of this rock without any help? Because there's no trail or something. It's like a literal big-ass rock. Well, the child, presumed to be Alfred at this point, apparently made a shrill noise and walked out to look over the ledge and then left the scene. Paulides say that it was as if he was jerked back out of view. But Wikipedia instead asserts that he simply walked out of sight. Like Wikipedia, like some people who change it up, people are saying that he was simply walked out when this man in his report was saying that he was yanked. So, like abduction. Mm-hmm. The L's decided to reach to the car park where they heard the news about the missing boy. Upon returning home, they checked the newspaper and confirmed that the photograph of Alfred B. Hart's within it matched the child that they had seen in the Devil's Nest. They promptly drove back to the park and talked to the rangers, but the rangers stated that it would have been totally impossible for Alfred to have made it his way up to the slope in question, and that the rangers themselves couldn't even manage it themselves in under two days and without carabiners and ropes. Or carabiners? Carabiners, yeah. They did eventually send a group of over 150 men to search the Devil's Nest, but they came back empty-handed. The next development in this increasingly bizarre case came on July 8th, when the FBI announced that it was performing forensic tests on a piece of soiled bandage that had been found in an abandoned cabin in the park. The disclosure of this finding was prompted by the insistence of the boy's parents that their son must have been kidnapped. Apparently, Alfred had a blister on his foot at the time that he had vanished, and his mother had bandaged it using similar material. It is unclear what came of this test, but we can assume nothing because there's nothing else that they say about that afterwards. On the same day, a woman by the name of Mrs. C.A. Lynch, who lived in Big Spring, Nebraska, allegedly saw Alfred and a mysterious man walking along a highway together as she and her husband were driving from Big Spring, Ogallala. She told her brother-in-law, W. Lynch of Lincoln, Nebraska, about her sighting, and he then went to speak to a Denver detective sergeant by the name of Fred Renovati two days later on behalf of his sister-in-law. He said that she was positive the boy was the one who she saw in the picture. Seemingly, nothing came of the odd lead either. Alfred Bielharts had been missing for five months when his father was given a ransom note in November. It contained instructions for leaving $500, that's about 8900 today, um, or as of 2018, in a tin can one block away from the Beelharts family home and return for the safe return of their missing son in 24 hours and also ominously said that the boy doesn't take to us. However, by the 29th of that month, the police were fairly certain that this was a hoax. This belief was all confirmed by another police announcement a day later saying that they had investigated two possible suspects who were accused of attempting to extort money from the family. The suspects were not named and were apparently not being held. But here's where the trail of information and of Beelhart's disappearance stops, and so it is difficult to know what happened next. It is 
I imagine that it would would have been announced if the suspects were confirmed to be guilty, but the ransom note was also never confirmed to not have been a hoax. So really anything could have happened, only Alfred himself could know. Abducted. That's the main thing that I'm assuming. But it's so weird how the dogs stop at a fork of the road, but also multiple scents. Well, here's the thing. What if at that fork in the road, the man picked him up? He would have covered. Or just in general, Mm. pick him up. His body, now his scent is up in the air, not on the ground. And he carried him away. Oh. Like, you think the kid made it to the fork and waited for somebody? And probably was like, yelling out for his parents or something and then this man came and just yanked him what do you think about the whole rock thing do you think that was real that sounds like a far-fetched because it took they're like nobody can get up there we can't even get up there and we're rangers and we work this area unless it's like a true like mountain man that's been right. living in there or something maybe Maybe. Maybe. But then they would have said that they found the place where a man was living or something. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to live inside a, a park with park rangers. Mm-hmm. Well, now, let's hop on my broom <laughs> and fly over Lake Michigan. So if you aren't aware, Lake Michigan is actually considered a smaller Bermuda Triangle. Me neither until I read where, this. Where is the Bermuda Triangle at? It's <laughs> somewhere's on the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, somewhere's by Florida. Uh, I think. When you make me tea later, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> okay, I'll make you some tea later. Um, so it has several mysteries of paranormal stories, cryptids, aliens, and just altogether strange happenings. Because it wouldn't be called a smaller Bermuda Triangle if nothing was happening. Yeah. So, real quick, some facts about Lake Michigan. The bed of Lake Michigan is owned by four states. They share its shoreline. Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, how long and wide is Lake Michigan? Lake Michigan is 307 miles long. It is 118 miles across at its widest point, And it has an average surface elevation of 577.5 feet. Although these water levels have ranged between about 576 feet to 582.3 feet over the past 100 years. Um, The deepest part of Lake Michigan is about 925 feet. Dang. Um, Try draining that river to find body. (laughs) Just flood all of North America. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Fun fact also, how many boats go missing in Lake Michigan? An estimated 6,000 vessels. Shit, I was thinking in the hundreds. 6,000 vessels have been lost on the Great Lakes, with approximately 1,500 of these ships located specifically in the Michigan waters that they've found. So, question you may not know, but, um, because I like cruises, can a cruise ship go into that lake area? Because it's attached to the ocean, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh, it's not? It may have some river pathways, but I don't know uh, if they're... I was curious. That'd be interesting, though. Yeah. I'm going to go oh, hit yeah. these states before I go out of them. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cute. But, um, yeah. Um, Lake Michigan 
has graveyards. They frequently are called underwater museums, wooden hull wrecks, scuttled barges, and once proud modern steamships that today sit motionless in the frigid waters at the bottom of Lake Michigan. What do people see them when they go scuba diving? Some of the lost cargo includes gold bullion, liquor, marble, automobiles, iron ore, hardware, fine china, and perishables such as leather goods, fruit, salt, and grain. Are we allowed to retrieve these items? Low key, if you don't tell anybody, I don't see why not. <laughs> I'm gonna get that fine china. <laughs> <laughs> that fine china. I'm sure that alcohol is ruined. It'll look good in our little studio when we get one. Yeah, it'll be so creepy. So fetch. So fetch. <laughs> Stop making fetch happen. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, and aside from these graveyards, others are an icy graveyard where mummified bodies, complete with skin, hair, and fingernails, and even tattoos have rested intact and undisturbed for more than a hundred years. Wait, inside the waters? How many bodies? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Oh, girl. And like, are they like investigating these slowly? Like, are people are going and getting these bodies? Investigating? I don't think they're pulling it out. I think they're just leaving them. Because it's four different states. Who's going to claim them? Whoever it's closest to. <laughs> Whichever state you want and whoever found it. Yeah. Yeah. It, let's say you're in a boat from Michigan checking the river and you find it. It's yours. <laughs> but then also, do you want that? <laughs> do you want to? But also, how quickly is it going to decay once you pull it out of the water? That's another thing that I think they're afraid of. Yeah. Not only that, but then you have to do the whole melting process. Mm-hmm. You literally have heating lamps on them. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the I don't see why, why they can't like take pictures mm-hmm. and try to like see who these humans are based on. I think they know who they are based off of the ships and who was listed under these ships. That's who I'm. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, and I want to know who is the oldest body there. Like, what year are they? Were they found to um, be in? Isn't that so creepy though? Like, you can just see bodies if you go scuba diving just like a corpse right there floating and he's probably like a hundred years old stuck in watery ocean time but the reason why things don't um dissipate or fall apart so much in michigan water is because they have a type of muscle that eats the algae in the water because mm. algae is the thing that breaks something up mm-hmm. yeah. it's pretty cool i'm like wow. so are we going scuba diving in michigan i can't swim girl you have fun <laughs> we can get one of those little things that go Oh, the little yeah. <laughs> Knowing my luck, I just go back up. <laughs> uh, where's the McDonald's down here? I'm hungry. <laughs> you have everything but a restaurant. How dare you? Uh, where's my fettuccine Alfredo? <laughs> Chicken fettuccine Alfredo. Um. Anyway, so I wanted to focus on a mysterious disappearance in Lake Michigan. Or. A few that are con- that are interesting around the area, but these are really interesting that I found. So, in the later half of the 17th century, my brain can't calculate that sometimes. The Great Lakes played a pivotal role in the fur trade route. In 1679, there was a mighty trade ship, Le Griffon, Le Griffon, that had embarked on its maiden voyage. The ship intended to use the Great Lakes to navigate the most efficient northwest west with. 
West Passage to the Far East in hopes of expanding the fur trade to Japan and China. So yeah, it has to connect, obviously. It has to connect to the ocean. Yeah. So you're right. It but probably, I mean, it probably wouldn't fit a cruise ship. Probably just sail ships. Like the rivers or something? Yeah. I don't see why not. Girl, y'all need to work on that. Anyways. Um, Expand, please. <laughs> so... Uh, this ship set sail. However, the ship never made it past Lake Michigan's icy waters. It seemingly disappeared within the confines of Lake Michigan Triangle, and while it's widely assumed that the ship sank below to the depths of the lake, no trace of its wreckage, its cargo, or its crew was ever recovered. They become icy bodies. They haven't found their bodies or the wreckage. Hmm. They went into a new dimension. That's what people are saying, that they think it's got, like, a portal and they go through time or something like that. Because I started watching this weird-ass show that I can't finish because it's just so weird. I think it's called, like, 1988 or something. Yeah, and it's about uh, a ship that this guy, like, designed not only this house or whatever, too, but this ship and, like, um, I don't know, it's just beyond time and space. And this girl is, like, going through this portal and traveling to different places. It's so fucking weird. I cannot keep up with it. That's why I didn't stop watching it. I was You're just like, like, my brain is what's overloaded. What's happening? So were they dead? Um. Well, um, another peculiar incident took place in 1921 when the Rosa Bell was overturned in the rocky waves of Lake Michigan. The ship... The ship... The ship itself was found floating upside down, but all of its 11 crew members had disappeared entirely. No evidence pointed to the cause of the shipwreck, and no one could understand what happened to all the people who were on board. There had actually been ships nearby in the waters of Lake Michigan, and none of them reported any sightings of the shipwrecks, collisions, or crewmates in distress. The... Right. <laughs> the story of unexplained disappearances was a bone-chilling one that led to many rumors about the triangle, with some claiming that it was a portal that ushered people through the folds of time. Ooh. Let's go to Lake Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this will be our last podcast because we're going to go missing. Sorry. Sorry. If we can record another and upload from the other time frame, you'll get one. But if not, don't be a bitch. <laughs> well... I also wanted to talk to you, because this is the main one that pulled me in, talk about the disappearance, a disappearance, that is, in my opinion, a bit more weird. I wanted to talk about Stephen Kubaki, who was a student at Hope College, a small private Christian university located on the southeastern side of Lake Michigan, in February 1978, when he had vanished. No hope there. Irony. Sorry. So, he had gone on a solo cross-country skiing expedition, intending to stay for a day or two, but never returned. He left a 200-yard footprint trail in the snow, stretching past the lake's edge. The one-way path abruptly stopped, prompting investigators to conclude that Kubaki perished somewhere beneath a thick layer of unbroken ice and the lack of any... and in the lack of any other signs. So, they think he, like, got on the ice, ice broke, he fell in, drowned, dead refers over it's very scary like when you fall in that ice you can't see anything and you're just like stuck because that current takes you and you can't find that hole anymore mm-hmm. scary 
Stephen Kubaki went missing in the Michigan area of the United States of America in an area known as Lake Michigan Triangle. Following Stephen's disappearance, disappearance, search teams scoured the region in which he was known to have gone. They discovered his skis and poles on the beach of Lake Michigan and footprints on the ice leading up to the lake. While searching for him, the rescue crew flew over the area and Stephen's footprints were reported to come to a halt at the ice, ice's edge. The ice was unbroken, however, and the site and a site check produced no trace of Stephen's whereabouts. How I wonder how fast it takes for the water to refreeze. To refreeze, yeah. Because you actively have water sitting there touching cold ice, you think it would start to but I feel like that should take like a twenty four hour thing. With the weather. And for the temperature to drop really fast too. Yeah. Hmm. And this was in the span of what? Yeah, I think it was within that same time frame of the same Oh, when you make tea, I'm going to Google that, too. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Do your research. Don't be like me. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I have these questions, and they're just like answering. So, um, that ice was unbroken. The site check reduced no trace of Stephen's whereabouts. Later, later that day, they discovered his backpack in the same general region as his skis. There is no further evidence of indication of Stephen. He looked to have vanished into thin air. On May 5th, 1979, the family of the missing student's doorbell rang and was met face-to-face with Stephen. Stephen was astonished to discover that he had been away for so long. Stephen admitted to his family that he had little recollection of what happened. Stephen had awoken in Pittsfield, 40 miles from his family's house, and awoke with a new haircut. He had $40. He was carrying a tiny backpack with maps with hiking trails drawn on them, a keychain from Sacramento, California, and clothes that he did not recognize. One of the pieces was a Wisconsin Marathon t-shirt of clothing that he was wearing. He had no recollection of what had occurred in the preceding 14 months. When he awoke and realized his situation, he bought a newspaper and saw the date May 5th, 1979, a year later. How did Stephen Kubaki travel over 1,100 kilometers from where he left his belongings, leaving no trail behind him? In an interview, after his reappearance, he stated the last thing he remembered was the feeling of being cold and scared of being lost in the dark. Is it possible that he went into a coma for so long and wandered across the country as another person? According to others, he was the victim of the late Michigan Triangle, an area with similar phenomenon to the Bermuda Triangle, vanishing ships, planes, phantom ships and planes, and UFOs. Was Stephen kidnapped and dumped in Massachusetts by a UFO? Did he suffer a 15-month coma or amnesia and wandered aimlessly? Reporters continually asked him whether he would speak with someone. He stated that he was not required to do so because he had no psychiatric issues and had nothing to say regarding the time he was away. Much smaller than the more famous Bermuda Triangle, the Lake Michigan Triangle has been the site of countless mysteries. Several famous incidents include the Rosa Bell Ship Mystery, Captain Donner's Disappearance, Northwest Flight 2501's Disappearance, and the North American North America Stonehenge. Here's the thing. Why didn't he... If it was me and I could not remember a year of my life, I would do like some hypnosis. I'd try to unlock and see what happened. And 
can we just say he walked into a portal? Because that's what it looks like. Because his trail stopped. Portal! Today he's living a happy life. He travels a lot. He takes lots of traveling photos. He's a psyche. He's an, a psychiatrist. A licensed psychiatrist. And he's living his life. He Instead of stepping into media, he stepped out and was like, nope, not doing that. I just want to live my life. I don't think he should be a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I he doesn't mean, deal with his own disappearance for a year. You're gone for a year. Okay, low key though. Let me let me put on my two cents. I think because he was a college student, right? Yeah. He was a big D and D player. Apparently, according to people, he's a big D and D player. He was like a nerd. He was also on the whatever uh, hiking or not whatever team, but he was like very athletic or something like that too. But like, come on, you're in a Christian university. You're in a D&D group as well at the same time. I think he wanted to get away from it all. And he was like, hey, I'm on this trail. Nobody's around me. What if I just like low-key scooted my way out of here without leaving a trail? Disappeared and tried to like live a different life for a while. And then when shit hit the fan and he was like, I'm done. I want to go back home. What is all this weird stuff? Where am I? I'm just saying. Too bad they couldn't find like old people he like ran with or something throughout the time or Or, like like proof like mm -hmm. play tickets or bus ticket or footage or anything i want to know is if he woke up with a marathon why didn't they just do research on recent marathons within the areas look up the people who signed up for the marathon yeah but a lot of people like donate their clothing and he probably just bought that shirt true Cause I, I, I'm going to say, I just, I donate stuff from the hospital. <laughs> I'll have so many Ascension t-shirts. I gave that shit to Goodwill. I'm sure there's a homeless person walking around with Ascension shirt on. Like they work there. Proud to, <laughs> proud to be an Ascension employee. Just kidding. Oh my goodness. So yeah. What do you think? What is your theory? On him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Portal. Portal. <laughs> yeah. I feel like anything. I think there's a invisible portal in the middle. And any plane, ship, anything. They go through it and they're somewhere else. And sometimes different times. Just saying. Just saying. It was a portal. It was a portal. Or like you said, he probably just wanted to, wanted to escape and didn't know how to. And he was like, I want to be one of those California guys. My toes in the sand. Tubular, bro. Or whatever they say. With my nice haircut. With my nice haircut. Because he said he didn't wake up with a new haircut. Or maybe he did slip and bust his head on the ice, but then like fall through. And he woke up and he was just like, where the fuck am I? And then some people have gotten like, people have personas. Mm. that Game personas. Yeah. So maybe he really thought that I live in California. This is my name. Went back and then something happened and... Um, he had to pull back to wherever it was. You said Michigan? Mm-hmm. What if he was doing a marathon and he was like, I'm going to take a shortcut through the forest because I know this area. And he tripped and fell and bonked his head. And then he woke up and he's like, wait. Could be. Could yeah, be. Yeah, but if you're doing a marathon, why are you wearing a little backpack? But, <laughs> true. With and little hiking hurdles. mats. That's weird. Also... The trail is what's throwing me off. Where did the trail go? 
did he scoot across the ice somewhere else to another patch of the that I feel like they would have investigated like the helicopter would have seen it portal you portal. walk through it nothing on the other side you know you go somewhere else mm-hmm. and no more footprints mm. genius yeah portal new persona maybe he hit that portal again when he was coming back and he was like where the hell am I that portal is a head smack and <laughs> a new freaking personality. And I need this portal. <laughs> Me too. That? Let's start it. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're going to make the portal. Oh my god. <laughs> just... <laughs> Do the Doctor, Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> if you see us at a lake doing a portal sign like Doctor Strange, don't ask us any questions. Just join us. We just need the extra energy. <laughs> We need the help. Bring some crystals. Bring move something. Your, move your hand in a circular motion. Bring oh me gosh. gummy bears. <laughs> yes. And we need to fuel them. Yeah. Oh, that concludes Maya's story. And now I'm turning it over to Christina. Cheers, babes. Oh, please stop. <laughs> okay, guys. I have an um, unhealthy obsession with bad TV. And I watch um, Too Hot to Handle is one of them. And also... The Circle, she was on that too. But there was this British girl on there, I can't remember her name right now, Chloe or something. And every time she ended something, it was Babs. <laughs> Babes. <laughs> Everything is Babs. Things Babs. <laughs> and I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to end it with that. Anyways. So to your story, <laughs> how's the tea? Delicious. Thank you so much. Is it good? Is it a rate? How do you prefer chamomile? Do you like this one? This on one's a good. Well, of scale to one to ten. This is like right next to chamomile because it literally tastes the same. That chamomile just a little. Yeah, it has like just like a little bit of a rose, kind of flowery aftertaste, but it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't get it all the time, but it's nice to have. Okay, yeah. A little ooh, ooh. Are you feeling ooh. a little ooh? Oh, ooh. A little. Ooh. Oh. Oh. A little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to watch that after this. <laughs> I love that freaking Hillary Diff. Diff. Duff. Dip. Duff. The Hillary Dip. <laughs> That's a <He> diff. <laughs> diff. Duff. Why are you doing the thinking face? I don't know why. I just started thinking. I was like, I wonder what her dad looks like. (laughs) Hillary does dad. I wonder if he's like. I don't know because the only thing I can picture right now is Lizzie McGuire's show. And I know that's not her father. (laughs) All I'm picturing is that dumb kid laughing in the background. (laughs) The dumb boy just. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are you laughing? (laughs) What? This isn't the scene to laugh. Anyways. So now it's your turn, Christina. Okay. For my story today. It's um, Cite My Sources. It comes from a true, from a YouTube channel called True Crime Daily. So, my episode um, is titled Vampire Clan. Ooh. I know. Vampire Clan. Is it like my vampires or is it like annoying edgy? You'll you shall see. Is it Twilight? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. But I feel like this killer 
bases a lot of his stuff on his explosions when he was younger and it was more 1998 that this happened so i don't know if twilight and true blood were out yet no they were not yeah so they came out after i, know. <laughs> I don't know i feel freaking i feel like i'm 600 years old i'm a vampire guys well if you think about it well the only one that I would would be like um interview with the vampire, vampire. i don't know but he says, or him and his mom both said that he was influenced by it. Anyways, so my story today is on Rod Justin Farrell. Farrell? Farrell. Like, like Will Farrell. Hmm, okay. But no relation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Were you like, that's the vampire? <laughs> that's, that's his name? His, that's the best he could come up with? That's Not his even name. like a... Louis or a... No, that's his, his God-given name. And Rod is not short for Rodney. It's What's just Rod. short? Oh, it's just Rod? It's just Rod. <laughs> What's Rod short for? Rod. Rod. Odd. <laughs> Rod with an E. <laughs> no, it's, it's R-O-D. <laughs> so, Rod was a 16-year-old from Murray, Kentucky, obsessed with vampires, darkness, and the satanic side. Santanic? Santanic. Satanic, you mean? I was like, Santana. I just say it like that with the country trying. He was was, uh, obsessed with the Satanism. Mm. He even had like some kind of necromancy kind of book and he had the... Do you have like an altar and stuff? Kind of. I'll describe his bedroom. I don't... He didn't say anything about an altar, but I don't want to put past his bedroom. To have that. He began being obsessed with drinking blood, starting with his own as a child. He became the vampire killer. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so it started when he consumed... <laughs> um, it started when he started consuming blood, and he said it was a nur- nurturing between you and the person you were taking the blood from. It's supposed to be innocent, but it didn't end that way. So besides his own blood, he was partaking in um, a group that he makes that I'll talk about later, where he has like disciples and stuff, and he would take their blood as well. The obsession extended from the obsession his mother, Sandra Gibson, had to vampires. Sandra was a child herself, 16, same as Rod is at this time when she had Rod. When it came to his father, he only came around on rare occasions during his childhood. Rod's relationship with his mother was close, but he also would state it was a love-hate relationship. Sandra would find him cutting himself, but in the interviews, she said that she didn't know who to go to and she felt helpless. She didn't know who to talk to about him cutting himself. But he stated in the interview, like, he would be cutting himself from groin up to neck, like, face. Like, he would just be cutting himself up and drinking his own blood. Mm. Yeah. Gross. Not only was he cutting, but he also got into sex and drugs. And rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Um, More like death metal. Oh. Sex, drugs, and... (laughs) Drugs and... Metallica. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, probably way worse than that. Sex, drugs, and 
<laughs> a pop 2000 mix <laughs> kids bop <laughs> kids bop version so uh sandra goes on to say rod would be on hallucinogen drugs and he'd mix them and he'd even mix alcohol with that as well which we all know is a terrible combination if there was a drug he would get his hands on it and he would mix it he would oh my god i just said that again he would get he would get his hands on it Rod also talks about how he was very sexually active, not even knowing how many girls he slept with. Mind you, he was 16 when all this was happening, so I don't even know when he started. Um, not only was he watching vampire movies and playing vampire games, but he also listened to the darker kind of music. Um, listening to, from what Rod states, listening to this kind of music and watching these kind of movies with death and hate and, and it like messed with him. He also messed around and got into dark arts and witchcraft. And he even started teaching others. And that's where we come into his little clan. His bedroom was filled with, um, again, like Satanist driven things. He even had broken glass in the corner of one room, just randomly. And then in another room, um, half of the room it was hooks and cables and it kind of he described it looked like a scene from hellraiser <laughs> Steph is rolling his eyes. anyways i feel like back in, back in high school oh my god <laughs> so at 15 years old rod was convinced that he was actually a 500 year old vampire <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> so Based because he is literally on hallucinogen drugs 24 fucking 7 at this point, overdosing on this shit. And he's young. This was his excuse. I was young and young people, we kind of get consumed in obsessions. So he literally said, I thought I was a 500 year old vampire. He even started becoming a leader in a small cult of other teenagers where they partaked in vampire rituals um, and they needed new blood in their cult. Um, so the three of his disciples, who was Charity Casey's, Scott Anderson, and Dana Cooper, <laughs> the whitest names I know. No, I'm just picturing this like high school goth kid recruiting these like elementary kids that are like really small and cute but they're like no they're all no i know they all okay wait dana was not as gothic looking but his girlfriend charity which i'll talk about later was kind of like dark and depressing looking whatever um scott would just look like a regular nerd (laughs) um rod himself was like one of those the best way i can describe it is like with long hair (laughs) scrawny white kid (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Um, I'll show you pictures later so we can laugh about it. But um, <laughs> um so they all got into Scott's car and they headed down to Daytona Beach, Florida, where a fifteen year old Heather Windruff lived in a near town called you s- this is where I didn't know what this town was called, like how to pronounce it, but um Utis Utis? I don't know. It's a place in like right outside of Florida, like a small town. What's it spelled? How's it spelled? Well, that was the thing. They didn't um, spell it on the... They didn't put it on the... They just said it? Yeah. And so I spelled it the best I could. Interesting. Okay. And then I just... 
Also, guys, remember I did this story like last last minute night or this uh, morning last this morning. morning last like the beginning of it this last night and then it got interrupted because of everything and I was sleepy and then this morning <laughs> so I didn't look up the actual like how to say it or spell it and I was like whatever I'll just roll with it so um in this small town where Heather was she's 15 years old Heather was planning on running away with Rod and joining his cult she planned to go back to Murray Kentucky and this is where Rod states um, to go back to his power base. <laughs> I knew you were going to love that. Um, so, so Rod met Heather when he was, when he and his mother, Sandra, lived in Utissa's whatever. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to say, da- I'm just going to say Daytona. Because it's literally right next to it. So when he lived there, he, it's where, that's how he met Heather. So just a little backstory on how they knew each other. It wasn't like over the internet because I don't even know if they had internet access really. I don't remember. I think Probably it was hard to get. Because it was 1998, so. Oh, dial up, definitely. They had to get the telephone cord out of the phone. Right. Heather expressed to Rod that she was being mistreated by her parents, Richard and Naomi Windroth, that her dad was doing the hurting and her mother wouldn't stop it. Rod emphasized because he states that he was abused by a family member and from his talks with Heather, she knew about the molestation um, that went, that took place with the family member. He doesn't disclose who or what happened, um, but all that was from their talks when he lived in Florida mm-hmm. with his mom mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in the past. According to Rod, Heather asked him to do something for her. She asked, if I asked you, would you kill my parents? And Rod states that he didn't think much of it. He was just like, yeah, sure, because he was just whatever. So when on their way to Florida, Scott's car starts to break down. And they decided with Heather that they would steal her parents' Ford Explorer. So Heather tells them where the key is in her parents' bedroom. She tells Rob that she'll keep the garage door open so they can get inside the house. Before this, they take Heather, so they grab Heather from the house. They take her to a local cemetery where they perform a ritual called the crossing over to initiate her into their group. Heather and Rob complete what he called the embrace, during which he took acid and other pills. And so does she. So they were partaking in drugs at this moment. So they're just tripping balls now. Yeah. <laughs> the girls then drop Rod and Scott over at Heather's house around 9 p.m. The boys enter through the garage that Heather left open for them. And Rod doesn't know what Heather's dad looks at looks like and how big he was. So he's looking around the garage for a type of weapon because they only have like a couple sticks from the cemetery. And he, he's a scrawny little boy. And he was afraid that, you know, one whack, the dad would, like, decapitize him on the ground and can't move kind of shit. So, he looks around, and I didn't write this part because I just wanted to say it in the moment because I didn't know how to write it. So, he looks around, he sees an axe, and he goes, that's been played. And then he looks and sees a chainsaw, and he goes, that makes too much noise. And he sees a crowbar, and he grabs the crowbar. So, when he was stating this in his interview... The way he stated it when he said it's been played with the axe, you know, like The Shining, 
and the chainsaw, he was like, no, that one's too loud because they're in a small neighborhood. So he already knew he was going to attack them, in my opinion. Premeditated. Yeah. Because he was meditating on the weapon. Because, yeah. And the fact that Heather, whatever, asked him or told him what happened, and he's already in his mind associating Heather's dad with, like, the person who molested him, you know. That's what I'm thinking at this Mm -hmm. point when I was watching his interview. I was like, boy, please. Connecting dots here. Yeah. So, so he chooses the crowbar. The boys then continue through the door into the house where they see Heather's father, Richard, sleeping on the couch. They continue to go back to the back bedrooms, you know, creeping inside the house, mm-hmm. but they couldn't find the parents' bedroom. <laughs> Rod, at this time, is so high from all of the acid he took <laughs> that during uh, Heather's initiation that he snaps. So he's out frustrated because he can't find these damn keys, can't find the bedroom. So what does he decide to do? He goes to Richard on the couch and repeatedly begins to bludgeon him beyond death with the crowbar. And the entire time, his partner Scott is standing behind him in shock. Heather's mom, Naomi, suddenly appears in the front of this horrific scene. Mm -hmm. And from what Rob said, she began yelling, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? Like yelling at him. And which Rod said that he yelled at her to run and get out of there. Or so Rod believes. Again, he's tripping on acid. Um, and it's only his word and Scott's and they're both high as hell because they are the only two in there at the time of the murder. So apparently from what Rod says, Naomi charged at him and flinked this hot coffee she had in her hand at him, which enrages Rod. He takes her to the ground and beats her with a crowbar. And he even states, I don't even remember how many times I've hit them at this point. I'm like tripping on balls and I just... Start hitting them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rod then takes... He can, He realizes what he's done. He's like, I just killed him. Just killed his wife. But he still decides, I'm going to continue back to the back rooms and look for these keys. So he's like, nothing happened. He just keeps going, uh, doing what they planned on doing while they were there. So he gets into the parents' bedroom, he looks around, and he starts taking stuff, like the mom's pearls, like the pearl necklace she had, dad's hunting knife that he found in a drawer, then he finds the keys in a dish, and he grabs it, and then he grabs Scott, and with the now Ford Explorer, he goes and drives to his, quote, disciples to grab them and get out of town. So soon after this, Heather's older sister Jennifer comes home and finds what has happened. And she calls 911. And when the police uh, call, like ask her on the call if there's anyone else there, she says no and continues to say her sister Heather is 15 and missing. And the car, the Ford Explorer, is missing. So then she goes on. Um, so after that uh, police phone call, uh, the police come. And one of the officers, was a police investigator, um, pulls her aside and starts questioning her and like asking her about stuff. And why is Heather missing? Why is a car missing? Did she run away? And then she remembers and she knew that Heather was talking about running away with this rod 
and she tells the investigator everything about it because she thought it was just a joke or whatever. Like her sister's like a demented soul and she just didn't think much of it, but now she's putting it together. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they now have a, in, in the span of, I think it was three days they're on the run. In the span of these three days, mm-hmm. there was a nation, nationwide manhunt for Rod and his group of friends. And the Ford Explorer, of course. Mm-hmm. In a stitch effort to elude police, the group go towards New Orleans, Louisiana. So they're coming from Kentucky down to Florida. They commit the crime in Florida. And then they, because she told them that Rod lives in Kentucky. So they were like, we can't go back up there. So then they go the opposite direction. And they go to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Thinking they're going to like throw them off the trail. Mm-hmm. So this is where they dump the weapon and the clothes that he was wearing because he's covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Him and Scott, um, more him, in the Mississippi River. The group is actually pulled over by police five times because I think of the car and the fact that they're kids. But the um, they were not questioned or anything um, because and Rod thinks it's because they were looking for a quote cult leader a psychopath and he said that he was doing nothing but being polite and answering the questions in like the straightest face and at this point he's not covered in blood anymore there's no weapon they're all like chilling in the car so um they got like again they got pulled over five times they got away with the pullovers so then they think okay we need to keep a lower profile because new orleans is like it's mardi gras time and they're like we got to get away from this busy town so they decide let me go let's just drive up to baton rouge Mm -hmm. well this is where their luck runs out because rod's girlfriend charity calls her family and i i don't know if they she didn't specify because again this is his interview so he doesn't specify if Charity was like telling his parents or she was just checking in on them. But obviously it's a nationwide search. So I don't know if her name has been popped up, but I know for sure Rod's has and that her parents know that they're dating. So they're like, are you with Rod probably and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the parents for, of Charity inform police um, that her, her where they're at and all that and what number she called from. So they track the number to a hotel where they go and they arrest all five teens. In their holding cell, Charity and Rod, they seemed unconcerned about their circumstance and what is happening. And they just continue to make out the entire time they're there. And I mean, like, there's footage of them just, like, sucking face. Gross. Yeah. And so during that holding cell time, they're in Baton Rouge. They get packed up and they get taken back to Florida where they're questioned and trialed there. So for all of them, Charity received 10 and a half years. Dana got 17 and a half years. They both since then have been released from prison because, you know, it's been more than 20 years. Um, Scott received life without parole he pled guilty to first degree murder because he was there and he didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to even state, um, they showed like the um, footage from them being questioned and he knows and all of them agreed that they knew that he was going to, or he was talking about killing the parents because Heather was telling him that um, 
he was abusing her and stuff, so he already knew he was going to alleviate them from this planet, or whatever he stated it as. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scott knew about the plan, or plan, but he didn't that he was actually going to do it. So when he did, he was shocked, but he also didn't stop it, nor did he um, come forth and talk about it. So he was also first degree murder. And then of course Rod, he received the max, which was death penalty. But in 2005, after a law went into effect from a Supreme Court case, and it was Miller versus Alabama, Mm -hmm. for juveniles and the death penalty, because he committed these murders at 16, and he was still a juvenile, and they changed his sentence from death penalty to life in prison without parole. Yeah, but at the moment in 2005 when they were figuring it out, it was on the border if he was going to get life with parole or release with time served. Oh. So it was like a big controversy. And the investigator that originally did this, he was retired at the time, he came out of retirement and he made sure he was still locked up. He was like, oh, hell no. He was like going over it and stuff. He's like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Um, but when I was going through this, I, my thing was only four of them got charged. What about Heather? Exactly. So I was shocked that Heather did not receive anything. While questioned, she said she knew nothing about the crimes, that she never asked him to do any of that. And she even goes on to say um, she didn't even think that they were going to leave town. She thought they were just coming to visit. Um, and there, she was just going to do the initiation. She wasn't planning on going to Kentucky, even though they've discussed her running away with Kentucky. And she, she's talked to her sister, Jennifer about it, but she says she didn't even know her parents were dead until Dana and charity told her when they're in new Orleans, why they were going a different route. And while she had to be quiet and say like, like she, in my opinion, she was making all of this up. I mean, he was wearing the blood-soaked clothes. Yeah, and she never once... Are you not fucking blind? Yeah. But yeah, she knew nothing about this until they hit New Orleans. And then, on top of that, Rod was trying to play... Like, he, from what he says in his interview, he was trying to play it off as they knew nothing about anything. He did everything on his own because he decided to do this. Um, the only person he brought up was Heather. Heather asked him to do it. But even then, um, he stated on a more joking manner, like he, she didn't state, kill my parents. She just said, if I asked, would you do it? And then when she told him what this dad was doing to her, like beating her and stuff, he like snapped. We don't know if for sure the dad was doing anything to her. Jennifer didn't say anything. Um... Heather hasn't said anything. She said that she is... She only said that um, she never asked him to hurt her hurt her father in the interview. And she said she's um, never had uh, bad anything with her parents. That she's honestly shocked that this occurred. Heartbroken. And she just wants to go home and be with her sister. So, she got nothing. Absolutely nothing. She went back home. And, yeah, I wanted to bring it up because I'm like, what do you think about it? 
Because uh, I'd be fucking pissed. Um, what about everyone else who's gotten the fucking... What is that charge? Where you're... Um, what's that default thing where you're like... Uh, charged because you're yeah you didn't commit the crime with them but you're yeah that's what charity and um dana got exactly and they got they should have at least got 10 and 17 so she should have gotten something she didn't even fucking get to she wasn't even told to do um um community service community service or nothing she just went home yeah that's ridiculous so what, what do you think what, what should have happened well for one i think well, I think Rod should have gotten the life sentence and not the death penalty because he doesn't des- he doesn't deserve to get death in that sense. He doesn't deserve that. I think because not only not only was he a kid, but he was high as fuck, and he's been struggling. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly parents play a big role in this, and I get that he was sixteen. But it had been going on for a while because he was saying he was already into drugs and sex. So it probably started when he was like 13 or so. And none of this bullshit of, I didn't know who to talk to. I was just so scared, blah, blah, blah. You're his fucking mother. You need to take accountability. And you're, I don't care how old he is. He's not 18. He's not out of the house. You need to be helping mold his mind. Mm -hmm. And you did by making him obsessed with vampires like you are. So. Wow. Yeah. It was just really fucked up. So I don't think he deserved the death penalty. Definitely a life without parole. Well, I don't think he deserved the death death penalty in the sense of... He has no reason to kill them, except for he thought he was helping Heather. But also he he also had a fucked up sense of his mind because he was tripping on acid. And so were all of them, but... He was was like not only on acid, he was on other pills too because he's notorious for mixing his drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Scott kid, I don't know, I feel like life was kind of a bit much. Not because, no, he didn't stop or do anything and he was knew what was going to happen before, like he had an idea that it was going to possibly happen. Yeah. I feel like maybe... And I don't know what his age was, but I'm assuming it's close to Rod, so he had to have been 16, 17. Yeah. And then, so I feel like I wish that his case also got looked at it in two thousand five, since they were looking at Rod's. And then I think, since he technically didn't do any act and didn't say he wanted to, he was just there. He didn't even think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I would have said, "Hey, guy, time served," you know. Yeah. Because it would have been at least. I can't do math right now, but over I mean, I feel years. like Also, I feel like Heather should have definitely gotten something. Not only because, one, she implanted the idea of killing the parents in his head while he was already tripping on fucking drugs. But also for the fact that she gave him... She implanted the... Or she gave him, I guess, kind of like a trail or map to the keys. Yeah, because how else would you wing. know that? I mean... I mean, it's not and like... And she was aware of them going to the house with those sticks. Exactly. And they changed the sticks for weapons. Mm-hmm. So she knew that they were already technically armed with something. And so, she already knew how aggressive his thought process was in the sense of... Because she's talked to him. She's known him in the past. And he's always yeah. like... Uh, I mean, how... I mean, what? He had Hellraiser hooks in his bedroom or a sense of it and then he had broken glass so he's got anger issues somewhere in there like a typical Chad 
But yeah. like, yeah, she deserved at at least ten, 10 years, years like that. Like that Dana girl. got, yeah. And um, yeah, I just that's. Or I'm sorry, Charity got ten, Dana got seventeen. Mm. But I mean, I don't understand how they decided. Whoever Why was Dana presiding over this and decided any of this, you need to really check on yourself. I, I think it had to do with their age. I don't know what their ages were, but maybe Dana was a, role, a little bit older maybe. than Charity. But I still, I you... feel like Heather should have been... Yeah, definitely. She should have easily been on the same par with at least Scott. Because she implanted those ideas in yeah. this kid, this and unhinged you gave kid's him... head. And you gave him access, like, you opened the garage, you knew he was going to break into the house, so already she should have gotten a crime for um, excessive to breaking and entering, but she did not. And she put her parents in the way of danger by saying, oh, the keys are in my parents' room. You could have said they're somewhere in the house. Yeah, because why else would he go specifically to look for the parents' bedroom? But and also in the same sense, it's he said, she said, so what if arbitrarily... She's like, in her interview, because I didn't watch all of it, it with the police, she, maybe she said, like, um, I didn't even open the garage door for them. It was, my gra- my parents just kept it open. Um, or he took or the keys like away from me or something. Yeah. But the moment that I didn't believe her when you said the story was when she was like, I didn't even know why we were going to New Orleans. Or New Orleans. It's like... I didn't know that he killed my parents. Uh, why did he throw his clothes away if you didn't know? You literally that? drove from Florida to fucking Louisiana with a boy covered in fucking blood. And you didn't get a sense? Oh, did he spill his little With the fucking, weapon. Did he spill his fruit punch? No. You stupid ass. Ugh. So, that was my thought process. I was like, this bitch got away with murder practically. So one of her parents dead. Mm-hmm. He was just also a little disturbed 15 year old when you were saying that what was the thing called the ritual or the what's it called crossing over crossing over it just reminded me of the race reminded me of the south park episode with the vampires where they did the ritual to turn butters into a vampire and they made him close his eyes and then they dressed him up by doing the ritual, taking him to Hot Topic and getting him dressed up in vampire <laughs> fangs and making him drink Clamato juice. Oh my gosh. And, and now he's a Pretty much. A, I was just picturing these kids. Ugh, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. Angsty teens or something else. But once you involve drugs, it starts becoming a limit. Because, I mean, when, I, when we were in high school... There was always the metalhead kids that were dabbling in drugs hardcore. And then there were the jocks that were chilling with the metalheads that were also doing hardcore drugs. And they were getting really stupid. And I always heard stories of them like getting like, we got, we got totally wasted. And I'm like, y'all are in high school. At one point, are y'all just going to stop? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I was that weird kid in high school with you and but you didn't see me doing drugs you were a good boy i'm a good boy <laughs> you just sucked it <laughs> i just sucked. yeah sorry stepping i sucked on the di- i sucked on a different pipe <laughs> every week sometimes every day uh, <laughs> just kidding <laughs> i plead the fist 
um yeah i wasn't like into the drugs and alcohol stuff until college yeah like end of senior year but at that point i just didn't give a shit anyways because i had no i had no idea what i wanted to do or who i wanted to be and that shit just like depressed me so i was just like yeah give me some of that weed (laughs) checking on it and then when I... I was joking on something else. You <laughs> had the healthier version. I'm just kidding. But, um... Yeah, it wasn't until college when I was with certain people and they exposed me to certain things. That's crazy. But, I mean, I didn't do, like, hardcore stuff. Like, some people did, like, hardcore. Oh, I... Uh, your old crush... Mm-hmm. He used to chew fucking cocaine because it's supposedly oh. in his head it hits the system faster. I'm yes. like that Dude, when he came back, he was totally different. And I was just like, Why was I attracted to you? And then the what was it the year later he had a baby and I was like, Oh, good luck. Good luck to good. And it was like a seemed like a no that that was white trash. Yes. Don't ever let me be with something like that. That was white trash. Because it was like a family ordeal of like... They were a step away from cooking crack in their house. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Honestly. I have terrible taste in men. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Christina. I don't know what your deal is. Yeah. If it wasn't crack, it was pothead. It wasn't pothead. It was... Um, nerd turned pothead. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't that, it was the uh, only like healthier relationship I had was this quiet, reserved nerd with commitment issues. Take your cheese. Oh my god! I think the only okay relationship I've had has been with women, but. Back in the day, I d- couldn't say I love you, and so they ended. Like, it just ended. And I was like, yeah, you like me more than I like you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to forcefully say I love you. I love you, babe. <laughs> Thanks. An avocado. Uh, <laughs> no, is it? <laughs> I remember when um, my first, like, girl girlfriend said that, and um, I was like, oh. And then it hit me. And I kind of threw up a little bit in my mouth, and I was like, "I don't like you like that." I just like having sex with you. And even then, I was like, "I yeah," I was like, "I don't love you." And she was so upset by that, and I was like, "Yeah, we should we should end it." But yeah, and then there was a whole another ordeal. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. Because I'm not gonna say like who what when where but let's just say they were close to someone else that's close to me so oh my gosh oh my I'm a whore. gosh um, so yeah cool beans bro Ugh, yay kids. buddy good job buddy <laughs> anyways well that's all i have for you today christina and is that all you have for me Unfortunately, yes. I don't have much for you. (laughs) It's okay. I really enjoyed it, and it took me back to high school South Park and 
I knew it would. That's why I chose it. It's as soon as I, I saw cringe it. So I'm gonna hard show you pictures later. Sorry. I'll show you pictures of the kids, the guy, and the boats. And of course, we will share it on our platforms. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you follow us and like, send in your stories. Subscribe. You can either email us or on our website. There's a little thing where you can fill out. If you go to our episodes uh, tab and you scroll to the bottom underneath what episodes we have listed. Well, I was going to say, should I put it on both of them? Even the welcome page? If you at want. The end? I don't know. But we're going to be updating that too because Greg... Um, Stefan's partner gave us some suggestions and we're going to do an about me for each one of us. Yeah. So if you want to read up on us, which I'm sure everyone who's listening to us already knows about us, but yeah, the there might be some things you're un- unaware of. If you come across our pay or podcast and you're like, who are these people? You're about to find out. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You're going to see me in all my best angles. Well, I told Steph, I said, you need to send me your best photos. And he was like, they're all naked. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, am I putting the ass cheeks on there? (laughs) The ass cheeks? Which one? There's so many. (laughs) All these ass cheeks. I mean, all of them. (laughs) All of them, let's be honest. Um, Yeah, that's about all I've got for today. So please subscribe. Follow us on all our social media platforms. Follow our Twitter at podcast D I T D capital P O D C A S T capital D capital I capital T capital D. Follow our TikTok and our Instagram at Deeper Into the Dark. One word. Lowercase. Follow our Facebook Deeper Into the Dark with our spaces regular, and check out our website. Send in those stories. Ask us simple questions. Um, let us know if we need to do corrections. Let us know if we said something wrong or offended anyone. Because we're still learning. And and if you want to share anything or just say hi. Yeah, say so. I just want an email. <laughs> Please. We're desperate for communication. Is anyone out there? Oh, Hello? Yeah, um, and then eventually, eventually we will have a YouTube mm-hmm. thing to tell you. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it can be deeper into the dark. <laughs> and then, of course, we have our website, www.deeperintothedark.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also voice concerns and shit like that on there, too. And then they'll learn about us once our bios are up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you oh, for listening. Should we, oh, what's tell up? Them? should we tell them episode 10? Oh, oh, oh. If you guys have listened so far, we're going to give you a little behind the scenes of what's happening for episode 10. 10. 10 episode. Ooh. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for Get episode it, 10. I'm so excited. We're having a special guest special guest star and it's not the cats (laughs) thankfully all they do is judge us and want snacks all right guys well thank you for listening to deeper into the dark i am your host stefan and i'm your host christina and we'll see you guys next week Bye. bye love you so much send in those stories get deep with us And every ad sponsor us, please. Thank you. Bye.